sex, sex, sex. And this is definitely He Said, She Said. Welcome to American Esoterica. If history class gives you the home-cooked meal, this is the microwaved pork chop for lunch at work the next day. The essential stuff in between. The personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. This one is a battle of the sexes over the inclusion of sex to end sex discrimination. Sex, 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 sex. As with any good story, there are two sides, and both are quite a wild ride. Let's call the first part, he said. As the Civil Rights Act of 1964 made its way through Congress, a representative from Virginia by the name of Howard Smith took to the floor of the House. An avowed segregationist, his goal was to add an amendment to the proposed law under a section called Title VII, which would have prohibited employment discrimination on the basis of race, creed, religion, or color. After the word religion, he said, insert sex. He went on to read a joke letter from a fictional woman decrying inequality of the sexes because there were more women than men in the country and women were being denied their right to find a husband. The joke was received with plenty of laughter from his male colleagues and horror from supporters of the bill. Based on the congressional record and his standing as an avowed believer in segregation, it's clear that Smith offered his amendment as a poison pill to sink the bill. There might have been a fragile coalition willing to prohibit racial discrimination, but surely that coalition wouldn't hold together to ban discrimination on the basis of sex. Smith thought he could achieve his objective of preventing the Civil Rights Act from becoming law by a bad faith act ostensibly intended to promote more civil rights. The perfect ruse. Angered by this clear attempt to both mock and sink the bill, at least a few proponents of the act, women and men alike, rose to speak against Smith's sudden amendment. Worried that he was going to upend this chance to end racial discrimination and undo their hard work to fix a terrible injustice. A funny thing happened, though. Smith's amendment passed, and so did the law. His attempt to prevent passage of the law by inserting the word sex didn't just fail to keep the law from passing, it added an entirely new prohibition on employment discrimination that not only protects strictly women, but is now understood, after the Bostock v. Clayton County decision from the United States Supreme Court, to protect gay and transgender folks from discrimination as well. All because Howard Smith thought he could sink the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It's a fun story, and it has the benefit of being true. But there's more to the story. And this is where we find out what she said. Smith's amendment set off a firestorm in the House as panicked bill proponents fought desperately to beat back what, to them, was a sharp turn they didn't see coming. But somebody else did, long before Howard Smith decided to make a malicious joke amendment on the House floor. Smith's amendment wasn't a complete surprise. He had mentioned that he was thinking about doing it in an interview, although nobody took him seriously except for Representative Martha Griffiths, a congresswoman from Michigan. 
she was going to introduce the same amendment herself and had been pushing the idea of gender equality her entire political career. Griffiths could see Smith coming a mile away, and that's where she set her trap. Here's the secret hook. Howard Smith, who despised racial equality, had repeatedly sponsored the Equal Rights Amendment to provide gender equality. Why? Was it a sense of justice or fair play? Maybe. But it was probably more about sticking it to the labor movement. That movement had been successful in promoting protections specifically for women in the workplace, and those were to be the eventual springboard for expanded protections for all workers. Creating a sort of blanket equality for men and women would, to Smith's view, roll back those gender-specific protections and set the entire movement back. Equality was the lesser of the two evils to an elderly Old South tactician like Smith. Griffiths had a good idea that Smith just might make good on his oh-so-humorous threat, since he had sponsored similar ideas in the past, and he could almost make it seem sincere. So she got to work. She lobbied her male and female counterparts behind the scenes, and her earlier efforts at repeatedly bringing up the notion of gender equality in Congress had given her a strong sense of her allies. When Smith stood up and opened his idiot mouth, Griffiths was ready. After a few desperate speeches from panicked bill proponents standing to fight the amendment for the ill-intended prank that it was, Griffiths rose to speak and changed the entire tenor of the conversation. Instead of treating it like a joke, she embraced the amendment openly and sincerely on the floor of the House, using the callousness of the sexism of her colleagues to underline the need for the amendment. Okay, she also threw in some seriously horrible racial comparisons to try to sway the racist coalition in the room, so I'm not going to carve her a statue just yet. But she flipped the debate on its head, and the tide started to turn, with people from both sides of the aisle speaking out strongly in favor of the change. This led throughout the afternoon to probably the most forceful speaker that day, Representative Catherine St. George. She pushed back forcefully on the argument that women were seeking some sort of special status, even turning a time-worn trope on its head. Women do not want special privileges. We do not need special privilege. We outlast you. We outlive you. We nag you to death. So why should we want special privileges? I believe we can hold our own and are entitled to this little crumb of equality. The addition of that little terrifying word, S-E-X, will not hurt this legislation in any way. In fact, it will improve it. It will make it comprehensive. It will make it logical. It will make it right. The amendment passed and the bill passed the House. When it faced opposition in the Senate, Griffiths continued her pressure campaign, calling on President Lyndon Johnson to personally lobby for passage of the entire bill. He did, and it passed. So while it is absolutely a great story to hear that a dishonest prank by a despicable person backfired on him so strongly, it's even better to know that there were several women who knew their place. You know, several steps ahead of the men. This has been American Esoterica. All sounds were made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? 
Just want to talk about sex, baby. You know, the Title VII kind? Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening, and God bless America.